Good morning, loyal listeners, and welcome to Leading Off. I want to emphasize the loyal part of that introduction, because that would describe all of you great people who are still with us here in early August. In all seriousness, Dan and I have always been blown away by how many downloads we've gotten, how many reviews you've written, and how many questions we get on Twitter each day. It's the main ingredient for what has motivated us to keep this show going and finish strong. So thanks to all you loyal listeners for sticking with us. Anyway, by now you know my name is Brennan Tuma, and you can find me on Twitter at TooMuchTuma. I'm recording this a little earlier than usual tonight, so if anything crazy happens in the West Coast games, don't be alarmed if I don't mention it. Due to some travel arrangements of mine, I just couldn't do the midnight recording. But the plan for today is to go over a few standouts from last night, before discussing some injuries and closing with some fantastic listener questions. Then I'll tell you what to watch out for today. First, let's talk again about Fantasy Draft. The rake-free revolution is here, and it's available only on Fantasy Draft. Rake, commission, management fee, call it what you want. But the days of paying 10, 12, or even 15 plus percent of your entry fees to the house are over. Now you can play rake-free only on Fantasy Draft where 100% of entry fees are paid to contest winners. That's right, every single dollar paid in entry fees are paid to contest winners on Fantasy Draft. To access Fantasy Draft's exclusive rake-free contests, all you need to do is become a member. Fantasy Draft offers membership plans suitable to all levels of play, including the free player's first plan that allows for $100 in rake-free entries per month, And for a limited time, Fantasy Draft is offering a free 7-day trial on your first $1,000 in rake-free entries with their starter plan. As other sites continue to raise rake, prize pools are becoming squeezed more and more, making it harder for players like you to win. Those days are over. No more do you have to lose up to 30% of your bankroll to rake. That money goes straight to the prize pools on Fantasy Draft. It's time to start playing your favorite contest rake-free on Fantasy Draft. Your bankroll is going to love it. Register at FantasyDraft.com today with promo code RADIO to receive a free 7-day trial on your first $1,000 in entry. Here we go. J.D. Davis was once again in the Mets lineup on Tuesday. With Robinson Cano out for a while, Davis could see extended playing time for a little bit now, since Jeff McNeil should mainly be taken over at second base, clearing a spot for Davis in the outfield. He entered Tuesday night on a tear, posting a 1-2-2-0 OPS over the past two weeks before having another big game last night. What's encouraging about Davis is that for the season, his underlying stats show he actually still has room to improve. That's because his expected batting average, or XBA, and his expected WOBA, or XWOBA, are both higher than the numbers he has actually produced. His exit velocity is within the top 2% of baseball this year. So yeah, if you need some immediate offense, giving Davis a shot and monitoring how the playing time situation starts unfolding could be a good idea. Another hot New York outfielder you might want to pick up is Mike Talkman of the Yankees, who homered again last night versus the Orioles. Talkman had also hit two homers the night before, and he's raised his batting average nearly 30 points this week. Sure, maybe he's just picking on Baltimore a bit, but he's also in line for additional playing time right now, with the Yankees hurting a bit. Pick him up if you need help. Jorge Soler, sticking with the theme of hot outfielders here, hit two homers last night and now has 31 on the season. The 27-year-old has been a major bright spot for Kansas City this year. His exit velocity and hard hit percent 
rate very well according to StatCast. So there's plenty of reason to think this has been legit. Remember that for drafts next year. Someone who's cold right now is Josh Bell, and Pirates manager Clint Hurdle says Bell will rest for the next couple of days to clear his head. Bell, who looked like a true breakout star a couple months ago, hasn't homered since July 5th. He's batting just 160 over his past 24 games and might not be worth starting for the fantasy playoffs. I was really high on Bell during the breakout because he was a swing change guy and the StatCast data really liked what he was doing, but obviously something has gone wrong. In weekly leagues, you might have to make some of those tough start-sit decisions with Bell moving forward. Rangers manager Chris Woodward said Tuesday that Jose LeClerc has earned his way back into the closer role. This is extra noteworthy because Sean Kelly is about to return from the IL, but apparently he's lost his ninth inning job. LeClerc now needs to be owned everywhere, but I wouldn't be dropping Kelly just yet. LeClerc has had two straight scoreless appearances, but had given up four runs over his last one and a third innings before that. I'm still skeptical he's fine moving forward. Some more minor news, Zach Gallon is finally making his first Diamondback start today. Yes, I'm starting him even against the Phillies. Also, last night's Rangers-Indians game was postponed, and they have a doubleheader today. In daily lineup leagues, be sure to get players from those teams into your lineups. On to the injury news, Hyunjin Ryu, who is placed on the IL with a neck injury, is scheduled to return to the rotation on Sunday against the Diamondbacks. I'd be fine starting Ryu in that matchup. He'll wind up missing just the minimum 10 days, and this might have been a classic Dodgers phantom IL stint. Meanwhile, Ross Stripling was scratched from his rehab start. He's currently without a timetable and can be dropped in standard leagues. More Dodgers news, Alex Verdugo was placed on the 10-day injured list with a right oblique strain. He had been scratched from Monday's lineup with the injury and will now be sidelined for multiple weeks. Fantasy owners who are in a roster crunch might need to move on from the 23-year-old if their IL spots are getting crowded. Nationals manager Dave Martinez told reporters that Max Scherzer, quote, wasn't great throwing off flat ground Monday. This obviously isn't great news because it means Scherzer might not return to the rotation until the end of August. And before you ask, yes, this is the type of player we're stashing. Lorenzo Cain left Tuesday's game against the Pirates with an apparent leg injury. As of this recording, consider him day-to-day. Gliber Torres was also removed from his game on Tuesday. This is a little more worrisome than Kane since Torres was sent to the hospital on Sunday with a core injury. Check his status today for an update. Yadier Molina won't be joining the Cardinals on Friday as expected. St. Louis wants to give him a little more time before he returns. Matt Wieters has been hot in his absence, if you need catching help. A few players returned to the lineup on Tuesday, including Jeff McNeil, J.D. Martinez, and Mookie Betts. All three should be fine moving forward. Alright, we're about halfway through the show and it's time for a surprise announcement. For the next two episodes after today, we are going to be introducing a new host of Leading Off. You may remember him as the guy whose trade offer I still haven't responded to in our Dynasty League. It's Fantasy Pros contributor Mike Maher. Maher? Maher? I'm not sure anyone but Mike knows, so if you're curious how to pronounce his last name, make sure to listen this Friday. He's been on the regular hour-long Fantasy Pros pod before, and will do a great job. Make sure to follow him on Twitter ahead of time as well, at Mike Maher. Good luck spelling that based off my pronunciation. Hooray, we've reached the Twitter question time. 
This is my favorite part of the pod. At John J. Cohen has two. The first, how do I convince the rest of the owners in my saves only fantasy league that it's a terrible stat and pigeonholes 90% of relief pitchers out of relevance? Yeah, so this is something I feel pretty strongly about. I'm in two different leagues that address this differently, and I think they both work. Saves are obviously an opportunity stat. And with more and more MLB teams turning to bullpens by committee, it doesn't really make sense to devalue elite relievers who don't regularly see save chances. I'd recommend combining saves and hold into one stat, so saves and holds. That way, the focus becomes on drafting the best players, but you still have to pay attention to who's getting the ninth inning. That's because saves can still be more consistent to accumulate than holds, so an elite closer is still more valuable than an elite 8th inning guy. But this way you don't get screwed when the Rays mix and match all their good arms. Or when Josh Hader dominates for two innings and records a hold but not a save. These are just my thoughts. The other way is to make saves and hold two separate categories and add in the holds category, which also works really well. His next question is, how many saves will Seth Lugo see the rest of the way? Honestly, short of an Edwin Diaz IL stint, I don't think too many. I know Mets manager Mickey Calloway said the other day that the team can't be locked into one guy in the ninth inning, but I still have to believe their preferred option is for Diaz to be the true closer. To me, that quote meant that Diaz is an implosion or two away from losing some save chances moving forward. You're right about Lugo being next in line, however, and he's been fantastic lately. So if you're speculating on someone, that's the guy. Kevin tweets, I asked Dan Harris this, but I'm curious what your take is. If you had to look at one advanced stat to evaluate a player, what would it be? One for batters and one for pitchers. Thanks. Listening to every podcast, keep up the great work. Yeah, so I think the actual answer to this question is that there isn't just one stat you can look at to tell you how to evaluate a player. What I'm going to do is talk through my process here a bit. For pitchers, I'm always starting an ace. Lately, I've gotten some questions about whether or not to start Trevor Bauer, but until someone like that is struggling for a month or more, I think benching him is overthinking it. The most simple stat to look at for a mediocre or younger starter is FIP. Let's say Homer Bailey rattles off a six-start stretch with a 3.20 ERA, but his FIP is 5.45. That right there tells you this probably isn't sustainable. As for a more advanced stat, I look at swing strike percentage, which has proven to be a reliable indicator of good performances. And that makes sense intuitively. If you have good pitchers that gets batters to swing and miss, you're probably good. It's not as if you're nibbling around the edges or getting lucky. You can easily search swinging strike leaders on Google if you want to see who the top guys are. As for hitters, I really like going over to Baseball Savant. Like I mentioned with J.D. Davis, their expected stats can be a useful tool. It's not an end-all be-all, but it's part of the equation. Same with exit velocity and launch angle. What's really nice about Baseball Savant is they tell you what percentile player is at too. Hence why I mentioned J.D. Davis being in the top 2% of the league in exit velocity. Kelly Seymour wants to know, do you look at playoff schedule to determine what moves you make? I think it's smart to. I'd always rather have more information than less information. But don't overvalue the schedule either. If you see a borderline starting pitcher might face the Astros, then the Twins, then the Red Sox, then yeah, that guy would become a little less interesting. What I would suggest doing is seeing when the Rockies play at home and who they play. For example, they play host to the Pirates for a four-game series in late August. That would make me more willing to possibly stream a Pirates hitter, if he was hot at the time. 
Aside from things like that, however, I'm looking at the schedule on a more week-to-week basis, not so much a month out. So much can change between now and then. Guys will get hurt, new players will emerge, etc. The last one, Cody McDonald's asks, in a head-to-head weekly league with no innings limit, would you consider not rostering a catcher in favor of another starter? Example, drop Wilson Ramos. So sometime over the offseason, I need to figure out a way to do a study on this because I have felt for two years now that punting on catcher is a viable strategy. In my main, most important, 12-team head-to-head categories league, I have gone without a catcher for about 75% of the season. Now, let me clarify my thought process. This does not mean I go into a draft in March planning to punt catcher. If I wind up with a good value and get Gary Sanchez or JT Romuto, yeah, I want to own those guys. And if I take a sleeper late or find someone early in the season who's doing well, then yeah, I want to own those guys. There's been a lot of names like this lately, including Travis Darnot, Will Smith, etc. Yes, those names are worth owning. But if you find yourself hating all the free agent catchers, I actually think it could be worth going without one here and there. It doesn't have to be a season-long thing. Catchers don't play every day, so even if his team has a full slate of games in a week, you're only getting four, maybe five starts. If his team has six games, then you're getting three or four. At that point, you have to determine if it's worth three to four games of a generally weak offensive player, or you could use another starter or reliever or even another offensive player at another position to help fill in during off days. It's not something I'm ever locked into, though. I still pick up and drop catchers here and there, but I do like the idea of being a little more open-minded with how we use that roster spot. As for today, I'll be watching two rookie pitchers to see how they do. Dustin May will be making a second start versus the Cardinals, and Brandon McKay will be facing the Blue Jays. If you own either of these young hurlers, I would suggest starting them. It's always a question with rookie pitchers of whether or not they'll even qualify for a quality start, but the matchups are both good enough that I expect worthwhile ratios. And that'll do it for today's edition of Leading Off. Instead of putting the pressure on you fine people to quote, Have a great Wednesday. I'm going to say have whatever kind of day you'd like to. Good, bad, or somewhere in the middle. I'll talk to you again next week. Until then, you'll be in good hands with Mike.